alien abductions, demonology, and other twisted tales with special guest Terry Ling Keel. Episode 3, Season 2 of the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast. Welcome to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast. Coming to you from the glacial dumping grounds known as the Michigan Basin. I'm Michelle. And I am Wayne. And we are a Michigan-based husband and wife educator and podcasting duo that after having a UFO sighting in March of 2018, have started to examine UFOs and other paranormal topics within Michigan and beyond. Topics include UFOs, the paranormal, conspiracy theories, ghosts, alternative history and archaeology, cryptids, and all things strange and paranormal. So sit back, grab a drink, and come along with us on this journey down the paranormal rabbit hole. Hey everybody, what's going on? Hey everyone. We are back and boy, what a crazy like three or four weeks it's been, eh, Michelle? I'm telling you, I'm counting down. I think my friend said it. 43.5 days left until the end of school. Oh, I know. I keep walking around going nine weeks, nine weeks. I sound like that uh, actress from, uh, let me think about it. Hold on. Oh, at least it's not the movie Snow Day. $2. No, no, $2. but similar to that. Um, Total Recall. Oh, okay. Boy, that's been a long time. Yeah, I'm talking about the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, that where I was going to say. He's standing in line dressed as the woman, and and the guy asks, how long is your stay going to be? Two weeks. Uh, excuse me, ma'am? Two, 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 and his head explodes. Remember? Yeah, well, no, I great. remember the film. It's just <laughs> it's been a long time since I watched it. Oh, uh, but spring break was nice. We got to enjoy some 80-degree weather. So, nothing like Southern Nevada, Northern Arizona. Good times. So, but, man, we're we're counting down to summertime. Time to go do some sky watching. Speaking of sky watching, let's talk a little bit about what we have going on tonight. So, on the show tonight, we have a very special guest with us from MUFON, and that is Terry Ling Keel. And just want to mention that some of the conversation does get a little bit graphic, so you're going to want to uh, prepare yourself uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I would bit. say prepare yourself because it's not necessarily for the faint at heart. Yep. So just be warned. There, There's a little bit of an area where things get talked about, and uh, it can be a little graphic. No bad language, just a little graphic. That's That's the best way I can say it, so... All right, Michelle, let's uh, get going here and talk a little bit about how we're on YouTube now. Uh, don't forget that all you have to do is just search us out by typing in Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast. It is all one word. Don't worry about any of the spaces. We're also on Instagram. You can follow us over there at M-I-U-F-O-S-P-E-P. Information with new show news will be updated as it becomes available. You can also follow us over on Twitter at MI underscore UFO. And most of all, remember, if you have a story you would like to tell, we would like to talk to you. You can reach out to us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. 
send us a brief summary of your experience, and we'll contact you to discuss things further and try to get you or your story on the podcast. Yeah, and I think we actually have a story tonight, we don't we? We do have a story tonight, and it's very fitting. If you like the podcast and would like to rock out with some of the latest swag, head on over to our online store at miufopodcaststore.online. And don't forget to check out our Patreon page if you would like to support this podcast. It is patreon.com forward slash M-I-U-F-O-S-P-E-P, where you can sign up. We can't wait to give you a shout out for all of your support. And as always, you can find all of these links listed in the show notes. So, Michelle, I think it's that time again. <laughs> it's time for what's in the news. Yes. What is in the news? Well, this coming to us from NewsNationNow.com. We're closing in on them. UFO expert on Pentagon findings. Chicago News Nation. A newly released Pentagon report says some witnesses who reported UFO sightings also experienced injuries, including radiation burns, brain problems, and damaged nerves. While the memo from the Defense Intelligence Agency, or DIA, is not the hard evidence needed to confirm life on other planets, Nick Pope, a journalist, who used to run the British government's UFO project, says we're closer than we've ever been. If they're out there, we're closing in on them, and it will be the biggest discovery in human history, he said Tuesday night during On Balance with Leland Vittard, titled Anomalous Acute and Subacute Field Effects on Human and Biological Tissues, the memo was part of more than 1,500 pages of the DIA documents related to the Pentagon's secretive UFO program called the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program, also called ATIP. <laughs> the document, which was requested in 2017 under the Freedom of Information Act, was finally released Tuesday. It confirms, at least according to Pope, what pilots have been reporting for years. We've seen multiple videos, U.S. Navy videos, of jets chasing these things tracked on radar, and it's not just UFOs, Pope said. Frankly, they've been looking at other things which sound like they come straight out of an X-Files script. In 2019, the U.S. government declassified, released, and confirmed videos showing encounters between UFOs and U.S. Navy pilots in 2004 and 2015. Similarly, Leaked Pentagon footage of a spherical flying object seen flying off the coast of San Diego was later confirmed as authentic by the Pentagon as well. But because they aren't definitive confirmations on what these objects actually are, the possibilities are endless. Pope says one theory he's heard is that the occurrences are no more than next generation aerospace tech, secret prototype aircraft and drones. Pope also says he's heard people say it might be U.S. tech secretly tested on one part of the military by another to see how we react. Then, of course, there's the theory that this is adversary technology from Russia or China. 
All of this is why Congress is now taking very close note of this. There are multiple UFO provisions in the latest defense bill, so people are taking this seriously, Pope said. Pope, who used to be in the minority in terms of official figures following this phenomenon, says public and government interest is one of necessity. I think there has been a realization that this is a serious defense and national security issue, he said. But the new interest is also because UFOs have become just that undeniable. The other thing is, we've just got a lot more evidence than was previously the case. We always knew pilots saw these things. But it's the Department of Defense themselves that have recently put some of this on their website, he continued. Either way, Pope says the chances of us finding out what these UFOs are is stronger than it has it ever was. This is a great article, and this is something Lou Elizondo said a while ago back on, I think it was Tucker Carlson on Fox News, where he said that people or pilots that have come in contact or close contact with these things have reported medical problems, and... Here you go. This is the exact type of document that he was talking about. Oh, come on. Some of the people that we've talked to have talked about medical problems and and markings and things being implanted. So this is nothing new from what we've heard over the last year. Well, the true. The only thing that's new is that this is being confirmed now in these government reports that have been declassified, which is... A big step forward as far as I'm concerned. So, all right, where are we going next? I think we're going on over to shout outs. All right, let's go ahead and do some shout outs for some friends of the podcast. First up, we have the Midnight Truck Stop, hosted by Big T and Blue Knight, a very cool couple of guys with a great concept as they explore those strange and unexplained incidents that so many of us have experienced while traveling along desolate highways. Give them a listen as they collect stories from around the country, from truckers and travelers alike. And then don't forget, next, we've got the Lost in the Dark podcast hosted by Burton and Aaron. This is a pretty cool podcast that bills itself as an attempt to capture incredible conversations between best friends as they explore all of their passions, but especially music in the world of heavy metal. So if you're into paranormal investigations and loud heavy metal music, give them a listen. Strong language, but it's heavy metal and paranormal. What else would you expect? And we have a very special shout out going to Texas Front Porch. That's right. That was the show we were just on on Monday, April 4th on YouTube. Join Tex Wesson, Jason McLean, Bigfoot Michigan Rob, Bob Van Buren, Randy Gilbert, and Jessica Jones on their quest for the truth. Kick back on the porch with Tex and Jason live on Monday nights at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. Check out topics and guests from far and wide with Bob Van Buren. Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central Time on Van Buren Variety. Jason McLean questions everything each Wednesday at 9 p.m. Central Time. Strap on your feed bag every Thursday at 12 p.m. Central with Brunch with Bigfoot Michigan Rob. Hindsight and foresight is 2020 when you tune in to remote viewing investigations with Jessica Jones every Friday at 8 p.m. Central Time. 
We hope you enjoy the ride as we pull back the veil of mystery mayhem of the world we all share. And finally, we've got Uncharted X with Ben. Ben is a longtime fan of history and puts up incredible videos on YouTube and also puts his shows and podcasts. Ben goes around the world to investigate ancient sites in countries such as Peru and Egypt. While there, he photographs and films these sites in great detail, looking for evidence of high technology being used by ancient people and releasing high-quality YouTube documentaries and commentary of his adventures. Check him out on YouTube for some amazing videos of these places. All right, so Michelle, we received an account from one of our listeners that arrived in the email today. We did, and this is from Thomas, titled, My Personal Paranormal Experience. Late summer, 1978, 9 p.m., halfway between Mulliken and Grand Ledge, Michigan. I was 14 and my brother 16 years of age. We worked late on a farm a few miles from home, and as we drove south on Cochrane Road, I was busy looking at a beautiful, clear sky that was almost dark. I could see some of the stars. Out of nowhere, a large, dimly red-lit plate appeared. The color was hot, like metal being forged. It descended slowly. I had the sense that it was at least 200 feet in diameter and around 3,000 in altitude. Within 10 seconds of appearing, it popped into five non-symmetrical chunks, and they lost luminescence as they gained speed and fell. My perception was I witnessed it from two miles away. The real oddity was that I could hear, but more felt it cracking like an eggshell before it disappeared. 45 miles per hour, windows down, 1969 Buick Skylark, radio off, and brother witnessed nothing. Two weeks later, I had to run the garbage to the end of the driveway. It was my little brother's chore, but it got dark and he was scared to go a 100 yards to the road. So it cost him a quarter and I was on my way. Moonlit, light clouds, 70 degrees, and perfectly a still night. We lived on a dirt road with only five houses on the mile, so it was very quiet. I got to the end of the driveway and deposited the garbage. Across the road was a thick tree line with a bean field on the other side. As I was turning to walk back up our driveway, every leaf on every bush and tree began to vibrate, each leaf moving only a half an inch up and down. No limbs were swaying. It was loud and there was no wind, but I was covered in goosebumps from head to toe and realized it was time to go, possibly a microburst. I still to this day have no idea what either of these strange events were, or even if they could possibly be related, but they are true and I have told only a few friends of this. Wow. That's a great story. Definitely that first part is a classic saucer shape yeah well it's that the breaking apart into chunks yeah i've uh done a little bit of reading on ships that seem to do that they like come into the atmosphere they'll stop and then they break apart usually it's orbs though people report seeing these orbs coming off of the ships and and then the main ship like disappears but yeah, that that's crazy. And as for the 
the leaves vibrating, um, yeah, I would think that's time to go as well. Yeah, the anything that starts giving you goosebumps, you you just have to wonder. Yeah. All right, Michelle, I think we should probably get into introducing our guest for tonight. A very interesting story behind this guest, Terry Lynn Keel, and quite the list of credentials here. So she is the board of directors for MUFON, director of memberships, the former state director for the Florida MUFON, assistant state director, field investigator, uh, star team, the host of Enigmatic Anomalies, author and speaker, Bigfoot skunk ape investigator, demonologist, paranormal investigator, and a reverend. Terry Ling is a leader in all things strange and paranormal. There isn't much Terry hasn't studied when it comes to matters of the unknown. She approaches her studies with an open mind and no subject is too controversial to research. Her paranormal personal encounters started as a young child and have been consistent to this writing. Her desire to know the truth led her on a personal quest that has guided her to this day, 45 years later. She experienced a very powerful spiritual event in 1973 that changed her life. Terry found peace and happiness through her studies and still wanted to know more. Her personal extraterrestrial experience in 1979 changed everything she knew to be true and began a deeper study of what life was really about beyond the veil of biblical doctrine. She is a radio host and TV personality with enigmatic anomalies, presenting EA news updates as well as EA TV presentations and EA radio. She authors a blog at terryling.com and shares her personal life encounters. She is available for home cleansings and anointing with her gifts of discernment through demonology. Terry is an avid Bigfoot and skunk ape investigator and joins enigmatic anomalies in the search at every opportunity. Terry has spoken in many symposiums and conferences throughout the United States. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please help us welcome to the podcast for the first time, and hopefully not the last time, Terry Ling Keel. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. I am very happy to have another MUFON person. Um, we did not have a good experience with MUFON. As, as a matter of fact, here in Michigan, we had zero experience with MUFON after we had our experience. So I don't know if there was some kind of a, a change or something going on, but this is great that I'm able to at least talk to you. And we had Savon. Uh, not too long ago. And she was like, you need to talk to Terry. So <laughs> absolutely wanted to reach out. And you guys seem to be very active in, in, you know, in the community. And you definitely want to get your perspective and experience on things. So once again, thank you for joining us. And we're very happy to have you on. Well, thank you. This is truly my pleasure. I'm sorry that you had problems with MUFON. And uh I'll try to clear all that up for you, however I can. <laughs> well, I guess I should clarify by problems. It wasn't like 
we 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 ran into issues. It's just that we did not receive any kind of information at all when we first had our our sighting in 2018. Oh, it's like we reached out, they didn't reach back. Yeah, and so oh, my I don't. Goodness. Yeah, I don't know if there was, um, you know, something going on with a transition of who was running the state or if there were no investigators in this area. I know it's like volunteer force and all that. So it's not like I'm upset by it or anything like that. I just, we were just kind of clueless as to after we put in a a report, like what to do. So we kind of did things on our own. Well, have you had, have you had satisfaction since then? Has anybody reached out or? Uh, no, no one from Michigan moved on. Yeah. Oh, no, dear. Yeah, well, nobody's reached out. And, uh, you know, now we've been doing this. This is our second season. So this is year two for us that we started the podcast. And, you know, we, we're one of those couples that want answers to what we saw. I know we probably won't get them at this point, but this has led us down this weird road as educators I have a bachelor's in science. Michelle is a master's in literacy and in English language. Um, she's been teaching for 20 some years. I've been teaching for close to eight and I'm a science teacher and nothing that we saw that night has made sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And we want, you know, the first thing I thought of was, well, let's contact MUFON. Yeah, of course. Right. And then without any responses, we set up a, a Facebook group that's a, a private group and just asking people, hey, did you see things on March 18th, 2018, March a, a, or March 9th, I'm sorry, on uh, 2018 in uh, a giant flying triangle that just kind of hovered in the air? And then we started getting all of these people contacting us through our our Facebook and they started sharing those people shared out to other people. And the next thing you know, we're sitting on about 5,500 members right now. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And they all relate their stories and orbs and pictures and all this stuff. So two years later, after that all started, well, actually more like three, well, you figure we started the podcast. You figure it this way, Terry, our experience, even though we didn't get the communication back from MUFON, we at least created a platform for other folks, um, you know, in and around Michigan and even outside the state and outside of the country to be able to join and have a platform um, to be able to share their experiences. And then also through this, um, through the podcast, being able to talk to so many people who have experienced and hear their stories and, you know, share the similarities and just meet new people. So right. has been kind of the, the main goal of all of this. And we found out, and I had no, I mean, I'm, I was born in 1970. So a few years after the big UFO debacle that happened here with project blue book, I knew nothing about this. Once we started looking into some of this stuff, all basically all conversation here in Michigan about UFOs was squashed. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the Air Force came in with Hynek, said it was swamp gas, yada, yada, and everybody went about their business and everybody felt like a fool. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I don't know if there's something still hanging over this state, but according to one article I just recently read, they were talking about we're in the top 10 of states with the most UFO sightings. 
with that like right right mm-hmm. and so it, it's it's really you know interesting and and what's kind of happened and opened up with us you know maybe this was what these things wanted i don't know but yeah the triangles here especially in the winter months anywhere between january and april these flying triangles seem to be extremely prevalent in the skies with with here in michigan and then out over lake michigan and things like that so well they have always been there i'm well aware of hearing many different um testimonies of people seeing things are you near a nuclear plant at all yes we're we're not far from it's one of the fermi plants it's down in it's ohio Ohio. off of it's off of route two um which is probably about an hour from here but very visible if you're i mean if you're driving on the expressway yeah oh sure Um, an hour is nothing in a ufo yeah yeah if if you've got a, a a true sighting and it's a true extraterrestrial craft that's seconds you know an hour is is well that was one of the things that we were first contacted about was that um we have a listener who started listening i guess once we really started he was like well you're one of the only few podcasts in michigan that talk about michigan ufos and i can see the power plant out my back door and i see orbs and things flying Mm -hmm. around it all the time right Right. Mm -hmm. so i was like okay this is really getting interesting and then you know fast forward to here we are today so you know we're Mm -hmm. trying to talk to everybody we can to try to piece together what's going on here and i think everybody kind of is too but unfortunately or fortunately for me being a scientist and a science teacher uh once once my interest is sparked i'm kind of like a pit bull i will i will will (laughs) grip on i I grip (laughs) onto it and i won't let go till i find out what's going on and uh it causes a lot of stress. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, being a field investigator, a certified field investigator with MUFON is probably the best thing anybody can do because it teaches you so much and it gets you involved in your area with so many others who are experiencing very similar uh, situations as yourself. And you get to see where it is, when it's happening, sometimes in very real time. We have apps that are coming out that will absolutely show you real time. And I want to invite you to report that. And I'm going to give you a special number to report it to. I'm not ever going to make excuses for what may have happened because I don't know. And I would never say anything I wasn't sure about. So uh, anything could have happened. Uh, Maybe it got clicked off. Maybe there was something that happened, but you deserve to know and MUFON should be able to come out there and work with you and find out what it was you saw. We may have a ton of reports on that very day. And so, uh, because I wrote it down that um, you told me that it was um, March March 9th, 2018. So, you know, we can look through the database and see what also came in, how many others saw it. And uh, boy, I would uh, encourage you guys to do that. And 
anyhow, um, moving on, I, I again just want to apologize to you because that is not how we operate. And 99% of the time when a call is placed, people immediately or within at least two days have someone calling them back. So yeah, maybe it was I'm really so busy. Sorry. You know? <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. I can't even pretend to know because I don't. <laughs> well, you know, it got us to where we're at today, going down a path that I never thought we would go down as a, a married couple and as educators and teachers, but here we are and we're meeting all kinds of interesting people, hearing all kinds of stories and discovering that there is a lot of things going on here in Michigan and all over the place. But uh, when it comes to UFOs and UAPs and even the paranormal, and it, it mm -hmm. seems to uh, really be... And maybe it's just because my eyes are just now being open to it on this scale, but it seems to be there's something that that is ramping up or has ramped up from the past, or at least the communication and the lines of information now mm -hmm. are flowing differently. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'll take it for what it's worth and, and, and just keep going. So, right. Good for you. All right. Well, let's go backwards a little bit here and, and let's ask you what started your trip down this UFO and paranormal phenomenon road? Well, uh, it all started very early in my life. I was five years old when I had my very first, just absolutely bizarre uh, spiritual experience. Uh, wasn't sure if it was extraterrestrial, if it was spiritual, but um, at five, what do you know? But um, I saw a man standing in the sky and he had been calling my name. I'll, I'll make it very short. It's a long story, but I'll shorten it, kind of give you the reader's digest so we can, you know, talk about other things as well. But um, I ran in the house to tell my father, I saw a man standing in the sky. And of course he didn't believe me. He thought it was just me talking, you know, and making something up, I guess. And, uh, I, I never did that as a child. So I don't know why he just ignored me, but I think he just thought, who knows what she saw. He, he wrote me right off and told me to get ready for dinner. And that was the end of it. I, um, I wasn't able to discuss it with him. And at that point I knew, okay, that was bizarre. That happened. Daddy won't listen to me. And mommy doesn't seem to be interested. And okay, you know, so then other things kept happening. And I would mention them to them. And they would just say, um, you know, Terry, no. And, and I thought, okay, um, if something bizarre happened to me, they made me feel as if it was completely uninteresting to them. And as a child, you pretty much listen to your parents and you don't question them when they just ignore you. You don't say, hey, why are you ignoring me? I didn't have the wherewithal to do that at five years old. So as I got older and things kept happening um, on a paranormal level, it was very frightening. I was uh, alone a lot and confused. And 
I would ask my other siblings if things were happening to them. They said no. So I thought, well, why is this happening to me? You know, what did I do wrong? So my whole life was pretty much like that. And um, my first experience, what got me into ufology, was a very bizarre happening. I was a Christian. I was at church probably three times a week. I taught the children. I was a teacher um, to the uh, pre-K, first grade, and second and third. And I was on the worship team and, you know, very much a big part of it. And I really believed extraterrestrials were comic book entertainment. I knew that things in the spiritual realm were real, but I didn't believe in extraterrestrials at all. And so coming home one night from work in 19, um, let's see, that was uh, 1997, I was coming home from work and I had, uh, I was working a night shift so my husband could work a day shift. And he um, he was at home with the kids. I'm coming home. It's about two o'clock at night. I'm driving home. And as I turn into my um, driveway, not, I'm sorry, not my driveway, as I turn into the road where I make a left to go into my neighborhood towards my house, I see this um, UFO hovered over a railroad track. And I kept thinking to myself, my God, what is that? You know, and I remember saying right out loud, Lord, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, that's comic book entertainment. I don't believe in that. What is that? How could that be there? And, and then I thought to myself, well, nothing can happen to me that he won't allow. So he's allowing me to see this, obviously trying to open my mind to understand greater things than what I'm being taught at church or ever been taught at school or, you know, why is this happening? And so it, it was just, um, it was so bizarre. It was so bizarre. And I'm sorry, it was 1979. I don't know why I'm having such a brain fart tonight, but <laughs> I am. <laughs> and in one month, I yeah. In one month, I turned 70. And I think to myself, oh, dear Lord, help me. You know, maybe <laughs> maybe I am starting to get a little weird here with my with my thinking process. But God, I hope not. But anyway, so it was 1979, not 1997. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, so this all happened. And I was uh, 27 years old at the time. And I had. <sighs> Nothing to compare any of this to, but my car stopped and my car had never stopped before in mid driving. And how, however it happened, that extraterrestrial ship shut my engine off in my Honda Civic and, and I was rolling up to this a uh, UFO hovered over the railroad tracks and I, and then it came to a stop. I don't remember if I put my foot on the brake at some point or if it just stopped. That is actually very unclear, but it stopped. And I'm looking at it through the window of a Honda Civic, which is a very small car. And I'm mesmerized by the beauty of this machine. And, and I thought, oh my God, there is not one rivet. 
There is not a door. There are no windows. There is nothing. That thing is beautiful. It was like literally something out of science fiction, you know, and yet there it was in 1979. You've got to remember, uh, we didn't have anything like that. You know, I mean, you know, what did it look like? Was, it, it was silverish gray. And it, I went back the next day to measure. It was 42 feet long, and it looked to be about six feet high, five and a half, five, six feet, something like that. I could not measure the height because there was nothing to compare it to much. But as I stood there looking in my mind's eye, I tried to recreate what I saw, and I'm thinking it was about six feet high. And it was really massive. And uh, it stretched from one end of the road to the other end of the road. And it was at a railroad track. And I could see under it and on top of it and around it. It wasn't attached to anything. It had a beautiful blue light going around the center of it. And it was kind of pulsating. And truly, it was one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen. And I was just staring at it you know and i thought to myself whatever was it like a classic like saucer shape was it it was very classic saucer as a matter of fact when i saw it that's why i said this is comic book entertainment i don't believe in this you know and yet there it was very much like what you would see in a comic book and you know, I, I remember slapping my face a couple of times going, did I have an accident? Have I passed out? Am I dreaming or yeah, am exactly. I dead? Mm-hmm. You know, I started questioning my own reality and thinking, okay, I must be dead or something must have happened. And, you know, this is, this is too much. So being such a Christian and not watching movies like that and never having been involved in any type of ufology or anything like that it uh it was really really difficult to comprehend and and this thing as i looked at it i remember saying to myself terry whatever you do don't get out of the car and the next thing you know i'm putting my hand on the door and I'm opening the door and getting out. And I thought, what are you doing? You know, so I'm having this uh, internal struggle now asking myself, what are you doing? You know, why would you do something like that? And yet, you know, I did get out and now I'm holding onto the jam, the door jam of this uh, little Honda Civic and I'm white knuckling it looking in full view now and just thinking, oh, you know, oh my God, that thing's amazing. That scientific part of me, that part that was really looking at it going, oh my God, this is freaking amazing, would kind of step in. And then common sense would come back and say, get back in the car, you know, and, and then I felt this feeling like an energy that spoke to me. And it was like, it was calming me. And making it okay well then i mean no kidding you guys i'm standing in front of the car and i thought wait 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 how did i get here i don't remember standing in front of the car i don't remember walking and as i was standing there and i don't know how long i stood there um i saw this other light to my right 
a big, huge blue light, very similar in color as the one that was going around the center of the one hovered over the railroad tracks. And as I looked to my right to see what this blue light was, it engulfed me. And in the blue light was standing a tall white extraterrestrial. And I screamed and I was just like, oh my God, that thing is so ugly. I just screamed it. And I was immediately frightened and I didn't know what to think. And I remember saying to the Lord, you've got to be kidding me. What the hell is that? You know, and I thought, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm not going to look at it. It's frightening. It's frightening. It's ugly. And it had a big head. It had uh, long slanted eyes. There was no nose, no mouth, no ears, no clothes very thin, very skeletally thin. The, the uh, neck was very long and thin and the arms were very long and they went below the kneecap of what looked like a kneecap indentation. Can't really say if there was a kneecap there, but, um, and I have tried to do regression therapy since then to see it and it's, it's uh, traumatizing for me, very much traumatizing. And um, I was able to remember a lot. Uh, and as I looked at this thing, I thought, oh my God, please, Lord, I'm not going over. I'm not going to go over. I'm not going to look at that thing. And I looked down at the street to kind of look away from it. And I noticed my feet were two feet off the ground. And I thought, what the heck? And as I looked down, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. How could you possibly be two feet off the ground, Terry? This is bizarre. You know, and, and I was in shock a bit. I was freaked out. I was trying very desperately to wrap my Christian mind around all of this going, I've never heard of anything like this. You know, I mean, what the hell is happening to me? And yet I knew I was alive. I knew it was happening. I was standing outside in front of my car and, and I, I, I started looking around and the palm trees weren't moving. I couldn't, I could see the light at 30th and 28th going from green to, you know, then back to yellow and red and doing that through cycles. So I don't know how long I stood there freaking out, but I was trying to drink in and absorb what was happening to me, which was very difficult. And, and then I started moving towards this tall white and that was probably my most panicking moment because I thought, oh, hell no. And I mean, I'm looking first, it's on my right. Now it's on my left and I'm being drawn over to it and I'm not looking at it. Now I'm looking over to my right. There's no way I'm going to acknowledge that thing. And I panicked. I, 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 I'm out. I don't remember one other thing, except that I saw another craft which had landed on the area on the right side of this railroad track. 
And so now instead of looking at one craft hovered, there's another craft landed, which I never even saw because I was so busy looking at the one in front of me. The next thing I remembered was I was awake inside of this other craft. And there were two small grays, which I didn't know they were grays at the time. I had no clue. They were frightening, but they were short, no clothes. They really were a grayish color. And they also had bigger eyes. I did not see a nose. I did not see a mouth. I did not see ears. One of them was moving his arm towards my left ankle and I was freaking out. I had raised my head up to look down and see where I was when I came to. And I was in a room that had white um, light, but it was very soft white. It was coming from the ceiling. It was coming from the walls, it was coming from the floor, it was coming from everything in that little area I was in, it was illuminated. Now back in 79, we didn't have anything like that. So I had nothing to compare that to. And, and I'm trying to understand it and I couldn't. And, and then I thought to myself, oh my God, that thing is going to touch my leg. It's going to touch my leg. I noticed I was wearing my uniform. I saw that I had my little uh, brown sandals on my feet. And I think, okay, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. And, uh, and then as I'm thinking about where the heck is that ugly thing right into my, on my right shoulder, he comes right into view and looks right down into my eyes scared the hell out of me. And I remember thinking, oh God, no, no. And then I heard him say, and I say him because he had a male voice. He said this, we will not harm you. We will not take you. And I spoke out and yelled, take me, take me where? And I just thought, what? This can't get crazier. This cannot get crazier. And I started wigging out a bit. And, th and then boom, I was out again. The next thing I remember was standing back in front of my uh, Honda Civic, staring in, in front of me at the craft that was hovered over the railroad track. But I was not the same girl who entered that craft. Something bizarre, way bizarre happened to me. Um, in my mind, I don't know about anything else that may have happened. I, I have no recollection. But when I stood there then looking at this craft and the blue light was still going around it like I had initially seen, I thought to myself, please don't leave me here. Please don't leave me here. Take me with you. And I thought, what the heck are you saying? So complete Why? opposite what you were feeling. Yes. Yep. Wow. I was a different person. And that scared the heck out of me because I thought, Terry, shut up. What are you saying? Why would you say that? You know, what a stupid thing to say. I was literally beating myself up kind of, but it was all internally. Um, but I did scream out loud all of a sudden again, don't leave me, don't leave me. 
And and I thought, Terry, stop. What are you've got two little boys at home? You need to get home. And and it was like internal reasoning was happening in my heart and in my soul, but I could not understand why I was desperately wanting them to take me as if they had given me some form of a data dump of knowledge, if they had briefed me somehow as to what the future held or what was happening, why would any sound individual want to leave? And so at one point standing there, I was begging and I was literally crying. And this is what I said, why won't you take me? what's wrong with me? Am I not good enough? What did I do wrong? And then I'm like, oh my God, now I'm going into self-judgment. What the heck is wrong with you, Terry? Shut up. So I'm literally having an internal struggle and I didn't know. I, I, I did not know at that point what was wrong with me. And, and I'm thinking to myself, God, please, please don't let them leave without me. Make them take me, God, please. And I didn't necessarily relate them to God, but I knew God was in control somehow, but they also were here. So now what does that mean? You know, what does it all mean? And so as I'm standing there looking at this, you know, uh, ship hovered over the railroad tracks, all of a sudden in the blink of an eye, before I could even blink, it went vertical just, and it was standing on its end. And I thought, oh, come on already. You've got to be kidding me. This can't get crazier. And, and I literally thought, Terry, Terry, what is happening? You know, what's going on? And where is all the other cars? Where is everybody? I don't hear a cricket. I don't hear a dog. I don't, I don't see cars, you know, come on, you know, this, it was literally like the twilight zone. And I, I just thought, come on, come on. I was you know. just about to ask you, were there any other witnesses or cars, anything that you saw? Nothing. No wow. one. I saw nothing. And, and, but I was in turmoil, internal turmoil, so desperate, trying to figure out why it was happening and not having a single answer to that question. And uh, that's a very strange place to be standing in the middle of the road in the middle of the night all by yourself. And so after it shot up, you know, from, from being horizontal to being vertical, then it shot up about maybe 500 feet in the sky and came to a dead stop. And when it did that, I screamed out, don't leave me here. Don't leave me here. I don't want to be here. And, and again, I just kept saying, Terry, what are you saying? You know, and it was like reason had left me momentarily when these little moments would come that, you know, I just kept thinking, please take me. And then as it was there, and I don't know how long it was there. And I stood there looking at it from the belly of this thing sitting vertical came a from the bottom of the craft came a fireball the same size as the craft it literally exited from the craft and now i'm standing there looking at a vertical 
uh, ship and a fireball. And I could hear the crackling of that fire. It was immense. It was crazy. I mean, I thought, come on, it can't get crazier than this. And it was just such a bizarre experience. So after standing there for a while, looking at that, wondering if that fireball was going to come down and literally consume me, then I started becoming fearful again and thinking, okay, okay. But it kept, I kept getting peaceful feelings from these extraterrestrials. And it was like they knew where I was, but I didn't understand where I was. And they were trying to comfort me in my distress. And the next thing you know, both of them simultaneously took off to the West towards the Gulf of Mexico. They were gone so fast, it was faster than a blink. And they went from zero to faster than a blink. And I'm like, oh my God. And there I was standing in the middle of the road now, alone. Now, did you lose any time? Did you notice like time had passed or did it not? Oh, yes, it did. But because I didn't believe in them, I didn't know about missing time. And so even though I had it and I found out later that night that I had it um, right after that, I remember I, I was crying and I said, oh, my God, I've got to talk to somebody who knows me, somebody who loves me, somebody who will listen to me. This is crazy crap. This is crazy. And I thought, I've got to talk to my mom. I've got to talk to my mom. So my mother lived literally two minutes from my door. Uh, she, I was on 32nd Avenue and she was on 51st. So I turned my little Honda around and the darn thing I got in started right up. I After they had around. left, it started. Yeah. Once they were gone, my car was fine. And I'm like, oh my gosh, look at this. You know, it, thank God it's not dead. I don't have to get repairs. And and on to my mother's I went. I ran up to her front door, banged on her door. Her husband came to the door and said, Terry, what are you doing here at this time of the morning? And I thought, morning, it's the middle of the night. What is wrong with him? He, you know, because now remember, I've never even heard the term missing time. So it doesn't exist in my mind. And I thought to myself, oh, I've woke him up. You know, it's probably about 2.30. He's probably so tired. He probably doesn't even know what time it is. He, he thinks it's the morning. It's still the middle of the night, you know. And, and I said, I just need to talk to my mother, Marty. Just where's my mother? And then I heard my mother coming down the hall and she was putting a robe on. I could kind of see her. And, and she said, Marty, let her in. What's going on? Terry, why are you here? And I said, oh, mom, mom, put the coffee on. I, I got to talk to you. Something bizarre has happened to me. And you're just never even going to believe it. And, and she says, well, all right, you know, what happened? So she's putting the coffee on and I'm sitting there telling her everything I told you, except emotional um, because it had just happened. And um, I, I said to her, you know, mom, maybe I'm nuts and, and, you know, I, I don't know what to think, but this is what happened. And she looked at me and put her hand on my leg and tapped my leg and said, honey, don't worry. It, uh, I've seen them too. And I went, what? You know, and I mean, I literally almost jumped off the couch and started screaming at her because I thought I'm 27 years old. How in the, you know, 
how in God's name could you have possibly not told me about this? You know, 27 years I've been your daughter and you couldn't tell me that something like this has happened to you. Do you You think that's why they acted indifferent to you when you were a child and you said you saw some of these things they already knew? I look back now and I know they knew exactly who I was and I know they knew exactly when to stop and introduce themselves to me. And I know that they knew me and knew my family because later on once well, well, just to finish that story real quick, I, I went to my mom's, I told my mom, that was the night she told me she had seen them. And she told me about her different experiences, which shocked me. And then she said to me, I was working previous to this uh, for Honeywell Aerospace. And she said, whatever you do, Terry, do not talk about this, because if you say anything, you'll never get rehired. I had been laid off on the Minuteman project and we were going into Gemini projects and different things were coming up the pike. And so I wanted to be rehired as a secretary. And uh, she said, if you ever say anything like this and tell anybody, they're going to think you're nuts. You're, you know, bad crap crazy so she said don't talk about it and so I didn't and 29 years later I'm sitting on my couch in Florida and I hear a voice a male voice audibly say to me Now, you might think that's bizarre, but to me, that happens, that kind of stuff happens all the time. So that is very normal for me to hear audible voices speaking to me. And it said, literally this, go to the computer, report your sighting. That was 29 years earlier. And boom, just like that, I knew exactly what it was talking about. I got up and went to the computer. I sat down at the computer and I thought, okay, how do you do that? So I typed in report a UFO experience and up came MUFON. And that is how I got involved with MUFON. I never heard of MUFON before. I never tried to figure anything out about that experience. I never tried to look into uh, extraterrestrial stuff. Um, I stayed in the church. I was still a teacher at the church. I was still in the worship team at the church the whole time. Anytime I tried to tell the pastors about it, they laughed at me. They said, Terry, you know, no, 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 no. Those are demons. And I'm like, "Uh, no, actually, I know what a demon is and they're not demons. And because I had had so many bizarre paranormal experiences in my life, Christians had a very hard time. Church Christians could not relate to me, which put me in a category of being alone, confused a lot. scared many times, fearful many times, you know, um, I I had such a strange, you know, uh, teenage years and 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s. And, you know, it, 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 it was very difficult for me. I never had people that I could talk to that could understand me, you know, Yeah. Well, when I asked you about the, if you thought that's why they were indifferent to you when you were a child, I wasn't talking about the visitors. I was talking about your parents. Were they experiencers while you were also a little kid? I mean, because you know how you said that they kind of just blew you off and, you know, oh, that's nice. You have a, 
you know, overactive imagination, but now getting that revelation from your mom after you were taken, uh, do you think, you know, they've known about this for the whole time you were a child? Well, my mother had gotten a divorce from my father in Wisconsin. I was born in Wisconsin and we, my mother and I, once, um, her divorce was final, we moved to Florida she wasn't married to my dad any longer. So it was her boyfriend that she was, or I'm sorry, it was her current husband she was with at that time. And he is the one that had the experiences with her out on their houseboat in the Gulf of Mexico. So she never talked about it. She never discussed it. And I don't think she would have ever even told me about it had it not happened to me. But here's what's interesting. My mother was married before my dad. And she had two children. So those were my older brother and sister. And my older brother lived in Miami with my mother and her first husband. My dad was her second husband. And um, he was contacted at nine years old, unbeknownst to me and my mother. I became a a, um, field investigator with MUFON and held a meeting in um, Melbourne, Florida. And my brother lived in Hialeah, Florida. So he came to my meeting and I hadn't even seen him in 20 years. And he came to my meeting and that's when he told me that he was contacted at nine years old and told to go to a very specific corner in his city in Hialeah and a UFO would be there in the evening around seven o'clock. He went there and it showed up and he became a pilot in the, um, in the air force. And, you know, he was well aware that these were very real and he had talked to other people who had also seen them. And I didn't know anything about that until I was almost 55 years old. I didn't know my older brother had that. People keep secrets pretty well, especially when it comes to this topic and the amount of ridicule that, that people have taken over the past, it doesn't, it surprises me, but it doesn't surprise me, you know, considering mm-hmm. everything that that has happened here in Michigan since mm-hmm. the 1966, you know, Ann Arbor, Dexter, Michigan, you know, two, three weeks of UFO sightings that were going on here by police officers and a hundred co-eds at Hillsdale college. And, you know, the list goes on and on. And it was just all dismissed as swamp gas and people at that point just shut down. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. It's not swamp gas. Well, well, I'm glad that Hynek switched his position and, you know, kind of explained what was going on there. And then there's the whole Condon report, which was set up to just be a smoke screen and and Mm -hmm. fail everything at that point too. But uh, yeah. So Going back to when you were a little child and you had the, the, the experience with the, the floating tall, was it a tall white being floating in the sky? Oh, in the sky. It yeah. was actually a man. I described it to my father as there is a man standing in the sky and the man had on a white robe and some blue type of sash. Now, I don't know if that was angelic, 
Because at five years old, trust me, Wayne, you don't know what you saw. Okay. Right. And you saw something. It was definitely a man, 110% a man. And my very first thought was, oh, I didn't know men could stand in the sky because at five years old, you don't know everything and you, and you know, you don't know everything. So you're not really sure if something bizarre happens at five, that that's not normal to everybody else. So when I ran in the house to tell my father, there's a man standing in the sky, I thought he would come out and look, but he didn't. And trust me, it was no balloon. It was, it was a human face. He had hands, he had legs. He, he, I could see that he was coming towards me. He, he first was almost like, I don't know, maybe a thousand feet in the sky. And then and he, he kept spoke to closer. you, right? He spoke to me. Yeah. Um, the whole story was I was standing in the front yard with my brother and the Becker children from next door. And the Beckers always played baseball. My brother played baseball. I'm not a baseball nut. So when they wanted to go over and play baseball, I stood in the front yard and I heard Terry. They all were gone, and I thought it was my dad. So I turned around to look at the house. We lived in Menominee Falls, Wisconsin at the time. It was a tri-level house, had a big, huge front window and a porch, you know, with a big front door, and my dad wasn't there. And then I thought, oh, I, I don't know where he is. So, you know, as a kid, you're just, you know, messing around in the front yard. And I heard it again, Terry, a man's voice, very clear. And very purposeful, you know, I'm like, well, like, I'm probably supposed to look, you know, I'm, I'm probably, that's probably my dad, but it doesn't sound like my dad, but where is it? You know, and I looked around and around. And again, I saw nobody because I was looking on the ground. I was looking at the house. I was looking at the field that was out beyond our house. We had a big cornfield there. And um, the third time. Terry. And then I looked up and I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, I, I didn't know men were supposed to stand in the sky. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, you got to be kidding me. And the sash was blowing, you know, moving in the wind. And, and then it started coming closer. And I ran into the house telling my daddy, there's a man standing in the sky. There's a man standing in the sky. And of course he ignored me. So that was that whole story. Now, you know, that was, I've never really understood. I'm thinking it was angelic. It was coming to me from an angelic uh, interdimensional experience. I have seen full-bodied apparitions of the dead. I have seen full-bodied apparitions of living people who were in my room with me, who weren't even there i mean they were not there and they disappeared and slammed doors and the paranormal world is very real and when your kids tell you something is bizarre please listen because something is attacking them or something is coming into their realm and and trying to get their attention and the extraterrestrial realm is very real these different Um, types of uh, species are here. They are with us. They monitor. They are in the skies. They are in front of our faces. There are many different types. 
people need to realize you're not crazy. It's not that bizarre. It was the first time, but now to me, if I saw something, I would definitely have a conversation with it. And if something came in, which is why I became a demonologist and clergy, because I wanted to study, I've been studying the scriptures for 55 years and I want to know everything there is to know. I just feel kind of like a sponge, like this is so interesting, the scientific side of it all and, and just the paranormal side of it all. You know, I mean, to me, that's what life is about is finding the bizarre answers and knowing, you know, of course, it's about your family and love and, you know, being there for each other, but also you know, none of us get out alive here. And I want to know where are we going and how are we going to get there and what's possible? You know, it's so interesting to me that that one scripture says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, which tells us we got to walk through something. Something is coming. We alone have to walk through. And whatever that valley of the shadow of death is, I'm thinking, man, I've seen a lot of crazy stuff in my life. What could that possibly be? I want to be prepared for that walk because none of us get out alive. So, you know, and at my age, I feel like in the fourth quarter here, I want to educate myself as much as I can about where I am going. And I think each one of us should do that. I mean, if you were going to go back to Phoenix, you'd pack a bag, right? What are you going to take in that bag? Well, let's see. Phoenix is really hot and you're probably going to want shorts and a sweatband for your head and a hat. And, you know, you know, so if we're just going somewhere on a plane, this is a major trip we're going to take. We're going into the next realm. I want to know how to pack my spiritual bag, so to speak. And I know these things all exist. So I'm just wondering how it's all going to play out, you know, (laughs) Yeah, I guess we always we will find out once we get there, right? Yeah. <laughs> and some of us I'm I've heard from different people, some of us have the opportunity to come back and speak and near death experiencers. I love that stuff. I love yeah. that stuff, you know. I'm passionate about knowledge and understanding what does happen and I have had a death and dying experience and I had different things happen. So, you know, you just have to look at it and say, what does it all mean and how do I fit into it? You know, each one of us. I want to jump back here for a second. And because something you said when you were going and having that almost like a a spiritual struggle between wanting the aliens to take you and then you saying, you know, what are what am I saying? Why? Why? No, don't. Don't take me, but please take me. I want to get out of here kind of yeah. a thing. Don't leave me behind. Now, I, I guess I've heard other people and, and Terry Lovelace comes to mind. We had him as a guest last year and I went through both of his books now. And that was one of the things that when him and his friend Toby were abducted from Devil's Den, that that they had this calming sensation come over them. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you with your background as an investigator and what happened to you, 
where have you found that to be kind of the norm with abductions, whether they're doing something to you or not? It, it seems like from my standpoint that these things have a way of affecting your mental state so that you become more like a docile animal or a lab rat for them to experiment, to monitor, to take test samples, implant things into people. And then what was your after, I know you went to your mother's and and I know like Lovelace and other people have talked about when they came back, the, the people that they were abducted with, they hated each other basically afterwards. They didn't want anything to do with them. And, uh, you know, I don't know what, what happens during that process. Like, but anyways, I guess my, my question is, is that in your time as an investigator and listening to people, is this a common thread where people are almost like anesthetized and, and taken and then have like this negative, like reaction after the fact, but want to go during the time? Well, I, I can honestly say for me, it wasn't like an anesthetizing. It was more of them reasoning somehow with my soul, with my inner self, and they were calming me. It was very different. It's almost like okay. they are able through mental telepathy to speak to who you are in your almost like the child within you and, and speak to you and reason somehow with you because any type of anesthesiology would be euphoric. maybe in a sense and nothing like that happens. You're very much yourself, but you're very open and you're very inquisitive and you're very, um, you know, like when you're little and, it's almost like all you want to know is, you know, how does, how, how am I supposed to be right now? How am I, what am I supposed to do right now? Because you don't know you're like getting your sea legs about it. So to speak, you're trying to figure out how, how I actually said this, how do I wrap my mind around this? You know, where do I file this in my mind? I said that out loud. And, you know, that was me talking to myself, having some self-talk going, what do you do with this? So it's that that they seem to tap into. Now, many people panic and go into the fight or flight mode. I did not. My little life had been so flipping bizarre. This was just another flipping bizarro, you know? Mm. And so I was able to experience it and not run. I was crying. I was screaming at them not to take me, but it's almost like they were telling me, no, we're not going to take you. But something inside of me heard that. I knew they weren't going to take me because why was I still begging? You know, so they had answered me in my heart, in my soul, somehow, they had spoken to me through mental telepathy, because no one was standing there, you know, in front of me after I, I came back. So that's what's so bizarre. Um, now, some people are not able to do that. Some people are going to panic, scream, freak out, um, fight, 
and cause issue. And then they are, they do control you. So that answer to your question is yes, you are controlled, but I don't think it's like any, any type of anesthesiology. I think it's more a mind control where you are reasoned with if you in fact can be reasoned with not everybody can we're not all the same we don't all come from the same places or have the same experiences you know because you're just simply a sum of your experiences and your knowledge base and so am I and so I I've always been able to stand before them very humbly very quietly very kindly and listen we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, this is Chris Lato of the Chris Lato YouTube channel, retired F-16 pilot turned UAP investigator. And you are listening to Wayne and Michelle on the Michigan UFO sightings and paranormal encounters podcast. What is up, you guys? It's your girl, Gemma Jade, from Gemma Jade YouTube, Moonbear Oracle, Paranormal Chop Shop, and Spaced Out Radio After Hours Show. You're here listening to Wayne and Michelle with the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast. What's up, everyone? This is Burton. And Aaron from Lost in the Dark Podcast. And raise your horns because you're listening to Wayne and Michelle from the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast. Hey there, it's Richard Serrett, occasional weekend guest host of Coast to Coast AM and host of The Conspiracy Show. And you're listening to Wayne and Michelle's Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Hi, this is Seth Talk from MUFON and the author of You Have the Right to Talk to Aliens and the host of Alien Spirit TV with Sev on YouTube. You're listening to Wayne and Michelle at the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Michael Schrett, military aerospace historian and private pilot. And you are listening to Wayne and Michelle at the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast. And we're glad to have you with us today. Hi there, this is Christina Gomez of Paradigm Shifts and the Debrief Media, and you're listening to Wayne and Michelle on the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. 
Hi, this is Alex Nowitzki, and you're listening to Wayne and Michelle on the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. What I'd like to show you guys is the infinite pool of experience and awareness, which can be found at LuciusLabs.com. And it's a book that I've written after basically meditating for 27 years. Basically, it goes over modern physics. It takes you all the way from modern accepted physics to understanding that we live in a layering of conscious types within time and that our consciousness is eternal. What's happening, ladies and gentlemen? This is Big Willie with the UFO Garage Podcast, where we're all about UFOs, aliens, and all things weird. I also run a podcast, Band of Bearded Brothers, with my brother Micah, B-O-B-B for short, and you are listening to Wayne and Michelle with the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters Podcast. So take a seat and buckle up as they educate us on all things woo. I don't question, I don't scream at them and yell at them telling me, you have to do this or you have to do that. Now, Travis Walton did that, you know, when he yeah, got he on. he fought against his. He threw things at them. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but it went very well for Travis, actually, because, you know, Travis, they, the beam he was in killed him and they took him on board and healed him and returned him and while he was with them because he had been killed and maimed to some degree at that point he freaked out and threw things at them now see some people are going to go into that fight mode and and the flight mode i didn't i was able to be reasoned with now this is an important factor here because it not all experiences are going to be the same. Many people I know say, oh, they were so wicked. They, they did this and they did that to me. And I think, well, what did you do to them? What were you doing to them? You know, why did you act the way you acted? Why weren't you just there to learn and to communicate and be kind? You know, we don't all come from a kind place when we're fearful. And I've even had people say, oh, I've had sex with them or they did this. And I'm like, no, that was a wet dream, honey. You did not have sex with them. They don't have the wherewithal. Um, They do not have the wherewithal. They are not like us. They are other than we are. They uh, eat differently. Uh, They don't sleep like we do. Their skin is not like us. Their makeup is not like us. Their being is not like us. They don't have sex with us hybrids possibly okay but not here it would be there it wouldn't be you'd have to be on a on a ship with them or be taken somewhere for something else to happen i've i've also heard that uh men and women on the ships have had sex together but then you're just having a normal baby you know, unless they do something to hybrid and the baby is taken. Now, I've heard all of those stories and I'm not an expert on that, but it's feasible. It's possible, you know, that these things can happen. I try never to turn anybody's testimonies down because so many strange things happen in this life that are just beyond bizarre. You know, they're beyond bizarre to us. So, um well i don't know did i answer your question yeah i don't know i don't don't know if i (laughs) well that it i don't know if there is an answer 
you know, I, I just, you know, I've heard other people's accounts and, and it seems like a lot of the consensus is, is that they have a way of manipulating your mind to numb you to the, the fact that they're going to take you now, whether they're reasoning with you or they're projecting something, you know, that you will agree with to go, you know, and, 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 and so that was kind of my thought was, did, did they, do you think they did something that like that to you? And what do you think the purpose of them taking you that night in 79? What, what was that about? Why, why did they want to do that to you? I believe that was an introduction for me. It was a starting point. And I believe they wanted me to be a part of MUFON. MUFON is a very special place. And um, I'm hoping, Wayne, that you and Michelle will still check it out because you have so much to offer. You, you really do, both of you. Um, and your experiences and your knowledge is there. You know, it takes you to another level. It really does. Absolutely. Uh, speak, speaking with other people and getting hands on right now what happened and uh, being able to hear and share and come to understand uh, there is nothing like it there really is nothing like it and to have the database and all those stats and all that information at your fingertips there is nothing like it um and nobody else does what we do because you know we go out and we're the boots on the ground literally we're the ones doing all the investigating and you know it's it's just amazing. I've got to tell you, it's amazing. And there's no end to what you can learn. And and the beauty of it is you build friendships and family within that because everybody is so like-minded. And um and that's that's very important having been through some sort, some any any type of sort of experience with extraterrestrials, you need to talk to somebody. That is not something that you can just do on your own and expect it all to make sense. You do have to have uh, people that you can talk to and you can relate to and that will understand you without making fun of you. Uh, That's very important. So, you know, coming to MUFON for me has helped answer so much and the regression therapy with trusted individuals that won't mislead you or misguide you. uh, That is, to me, it's epic to have that kind of friendship level with people that you can do that. And it, it has caused me to have a whole family of you know, people that I'm associated with now. And I can pick up the phone and call anybody anytime you know, if something were to happen again, and, uh, and things do still happen, both in the paranormal with me, as well as the spiritual. And, and that's another thing. One seems to be a part of the other. Uh, Even the angelic interactions that I've had, the spiritual interactions, the demonic interactions, the extraterrestrial interactions, all of this seems to be doors that open to you, once you've had some of these experiences. And that was going to be my next question, which, you know, is interesting that you went right to that point. Do you, in your opinion, and that's basically what you're saying right now, is there a connection between 
angelic, demonic, spiritual world and these other beings? And, and do you see them? Some people will lump the the aliens into or, or visitors, whatever they are into one category and it has no religious connotation there's no no spiritual aspect of it it's it's nuts and bolts and that's it there there it is other people will say no it's it's demonic all the way through period end of discussion don't talk to us about it you know the very Mm -hmm. fundamentalist type of uh Mm -hmm. uh, religions that are out there and not mm-hmm. just Christianity. So right. I'm not picking on any any one religion. But you said something about the the opening of doors. So if you could, could you like expand a little bit on that and what your experience has been? And I know Michelle's sitting here biting her tongue, wanting to talk uh, to you about the demonology aspect of it. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, I can only tell you what happened to me. And what has happened to me is I've had all of the above, and they're each very separate from each other while I'm experiencing them. They don't cross over into each other. In other words, I'm not with the extraterrestrials, and now I'm having a demonic attack. I'm not having an angelic attack. I'm not having a spiritual attack. Each one is by itself a door. And if it opens, I have the experience, and then it will close. Now, on terryling.com, I wrote at least 150 different experiences I've had over my lifetime. And I haven't written them all, but I have to sit and meditate and really think about uh, each one. And, you know, it it really does take a lot out of me, but um, I will sit down and continue them for my children, for my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, so that they know who I was and while I was here and what happened so that they can take this knowledge with them into their futures. But in the demonic realm, that one is probably more frightening, more confusing than any of the other realms um, because it's it's bizarre beyond bizarre. I mean, it really has some very strange things that can happen. And they are all things that you see on movies like slamming doors and something can fly across the room and um, the lights can go on and then they can go off or they can start acting bizarre when it's a brand new light bulb, you know, uh, voices can be screaming. Things can actually really happen. Demon possession is very, very real, but also rare. Um, and yet all these things are biblical facts. They're truths that we can look back in the Talmuds. You can look back in the old books of, of old and they're all there. People have for centuries, The uh, extraterrestrials have been with us since before the Lord came, you know, to, to the earth and, you know, died for people. And I think it's such a bigger picture. He knows what we're fighting and what we need to be saved from. And we do need to be saved from all that. And, you know, I'm not a Christian, like the normal Christian, I'm not a pew sitter. I'm not a judge person. I don't judge people. You know, I'm, 
I'm a spiritual being on a human journey. I have met the Lord. I know this is all truth. There's so much to it. And yet it is all applicable. It is all purposeful for our lives to teach us for the next level of life. We are an energy. We do not die. We are spirit beings. And, you know, uh, whatever your wife wants to ask me, I mean, I'll just tell her, you know, whatever. I've had so many different experiences that I guarantee you, I guarantee you they are all very real. I would say out of all of your experiences, which one probably stands out to you the most? I mean, out of all of them. Well, they all stand out, every single one of them, uh, very personally to me. But the one that hurt me, which is very rare uh, when a demon can actually hurt you. Uh, I was 16 years old and I was in, in I was uh, out to dinner with some friends and we ended up going to one, to one of my friends' home. There were two, two of us and they were friends of mine that were guys that were very close to me and I was very close too. And um, we went to Jerry's apartment and we went upstairs and um, Jerry was sitting in front of me. Ed was sitting to the right of me and I was sitting looking at both of them. Okay. So we were kind of in a, um, a triangle and I was looking into the kitchen, Jerry and Ed were looking somewhat into the kitchen, but mostly at me because it would, the kitchen would have been in their peripheral right vision, but they were both in my immediate vision. And we were sitting there talking and laughing and, you know, they wanted, they wanted me, um, you know, to uh, smoke a joint with them. Okay. This was, I was 16, you know, (laughs) and I wouldn't because I wasn't into that. You know, I wasn't into drugs and I was very adamantly not into pot at the time because I'm not a smoker, never smoked, always kind of hated the smell. And so to me, it stunk. And they were laughing with me and telling me to, you know, you should smoke this, blah, blah, blah. Well, anyway, so we're sitting there having that conversation. It was in the 60s. And all of a sudden in the kitchen, on the floor, under the cabinet, from the bottom of the kitchen cabinet, I see this white film. And it looks like smoke. And I'm sitting there looking at this smoke going, oh, something's on fire. And they both were looking at me, looking at it while we were talking and laughing. And all of a sudden it was, nothing was very funny for me anymore. I'm focused on this smoke in the kitchen. And I'm thinking, oh, and by the way, I don't drink. I'm not a drinker. You know, I'll have a social drink, but at that time, oh my God, no, hated it. And um, so I was as sober as the proverbial judge. And um Here I am looking into the kitchen and it started very low at the bottom of the cabinets and it started swirling up and I thought it was a fire. And of course, what, you know, you're going to start looking at that. And they looked at my face and they both turned their heads to look at it. And the three of us were sitting there scared out of our frigging minds. And I'm looking at this thing and it's getting taller and taller and taller. And now it's about five feet 
tall. This smoke has now risen up to five feet tall, and yet it's in, it's enclosed. It's, it's not going out into the room. It's just getting taller, like a pyre or something, or a, a flame, but there was no flame. It was all smoke. Then it looked like it started congelling or something. And I mean, it didn't make any sense at all. And I'm looking at that thing going, what the, what the hell? You know, I mean, that's my go-to thing is like, what the heck, you know, and, and they're looking at it and I can see them. I'm looking at them as I'm looking at this and they're scared out of their minds. Their mouths are open and they're like, we're, we're all kind of like, <gasps> you know, and all of a sudden, it starts getting a face. And I'm like, oh, hell no. You know, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And it started getting a face in it. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. And, you know, those guys are sitting there looking at this. They start screaming. They run for the door, throw it open and go downstairs. I'm mesmerized. I'm so scared. I can't even believe what I'm looking at. And it has this face, which has very wild eyes and it has a very long mouth and it seems to have now taken a form. And this thing came at me so fast. It was like, boom. And first it was in the kitchen and then it was going right straight through me. And I thought to myself, okay, okay, Oh my God. And I got up and ran downstairs and this happened while I was by myself. It came right through me and I felt it almost as if it was misty in a way. And I was beyond terrified. I almost fell down the stairs, going down the stairs. I was so afraid. I wouldn't look back. I was running, running through the door open. They're both in the front yard, freaking out. And I said, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I said, why did you leave me up there? And they said, what the hell was that? And I said, I don't know. What did you see? And they told me what they saw. I told them what I saw. And all of a sudden, you guys, and this is very true, my eyes started burning. And my eyes were burning so bad, I thought, oh, my God. And I started itching them with kind of the knuckles, my knuckles going, oh, my God, my eyes are so itchy. And I thought, I don't know why my eyes are so itchy, but <clears throat> I, I said, I've got to go. I've got to go. And they left and they, they were like, oh, my God, you know. And so I left. I went right to the hospital. My eyes were so itchy. I felt like, you know there was nothing I could do to alleviate the itch. And when I got to the hospital, they said, well, we don't have an ophthalmologist here. And I said, well, I need help. My eyes are hurting so bad. And they said, well, there's an ophthalmology office behind us and they don't open till 6 a.m. in the morning. And it was only like 11 or something. And so they said, we can see that you definitely need to see a doctor. You definitely had something happen to your eye. What happened? And I thought there's no way in hell I'm telling them what happened. And so I said, oh, I, I don't know. I don't know why it's, and I left the hospital. But meanwhile, I'm sitting in my car in the parking lot of the ophthalmologist's all night 
long. And I'm scratching my eyes, scratching my eyes. And by the time the nurse came at about 630, uh, I ran up to her and she looked at me and said, Oh, my God, what happened to you? Well, there was no way I was going to tell her. I just said, my eyes are itching, my eyes are itching so bad. And so I, I went and saw the ophthalmologist when he got there at eight o'clock, I was the first person they took me in, he gave me ice packs. And he gave me drops and said, you're going to have to keep your eyes closed. You've had a terrible accident. Um, it looks like you were stabbed in that right eye. And I said, oh, no, I, I wasn't stabbed. And he goes, well, what happened to you? Did you have a car accident? And I said, no. And he said, well, you have trauma to your right eye. Now, you guys, to this minute, I just had new glasses about a, a month ago, and I went for because I just moved here to Paris, Tennessee, and I saw uh, Dr. Taylor here in Paris. And he said to me when he did my eye exam, he goes, wow, what happened to you in that right eye? He said, did you have a terrible accident when you were younger? And I said, well, you know what, buddy, I'm going to tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. And I think he thinks I'm cracked. But I told him what happened. Every single ophthalmologist I've ever seen for my glasses has said to me, oh, wow, what happened to that right eye? It looks like you've had an accident. And I actually have some kind of thing that goes way over, like your, your eye is round, but there's something that goes in, in my eye. And it, it, uh, he showed, the doctor showed it to me on a radiograph and said, this is, well, it wasn't radiograph. It was some kind of other eye graph thing that they took from some machine. Was it a, like it an ultraviolet me. scan that they did? Some kind of scan. I don't okay. remember exactly. I can look, I can look it up in my medical records and see what it was, but um, it was the first doctor I saw here in Paris because I was having some problems with my eyes. And he said, um, if I were you, I wouldn't uh, do any surgery. It, it's not going to make it better, but it had to do with my retina. And um, I, I really should, uh, maybe I should write on my blog about it and have all the information and the paperwork in front of me so I can explain that. But a lot of people said, oh, it's just because they were smoking pot and your eyes were sensitive. I'm like, uh, no, I didn't smoke the pot. And I'm, I wasn't that sensitive to what they were smoking. I didn't have anything. And it wasn't like they were bonging it or anything, you know, it was just a joint. So, um, you know, but they, they were laughing and, and trying to get me to do that. And so, being a field investigator, I tried to debunk it and say, okay, let's say it was that, you know, but there were other people in my life that I had been around that were smoking pot because I'm still not a pot or cigarette smoker to this day. And it doesn't bother me. <laughs> I, I would say, you know, was it maybe laced with something? I mean, back in the 60s, LSD was going around. However, why would you guys have a, uh, a mutual delusion or, you know, illusion at that point? Why would you guys see the same exact thing and, and freak out? You know, it's like people that go on these... Uh, ayahuasca trips and, and things that all report the same type of animal and spiritual creatures and things like that. When they, they go under into these different areas, um, 
you know, these different realms of spiritual travels or whatever the DMT, I guess, trips that they're, they're actually examining in Harvard that, you know, they subject people to these things and then, you know, they don't know each other. They don't talk to each other and they all report that they've gone to the same place and see the same kind of things. So if, if it, if it was something in that, in that joint that, you know, was then in the smoke and, and why would you guys have that same vision though? Well, not only that, why did it choose to come right at me? And why is my right eye still to this day damaged? So I exactly. would have to say it's, it's not the drug. It yeah. wasn't the smoke. It wasn't that I was allergic to that because I've been around it with other people in the 60s and I was never allergic to the pot or cigarettes. You know, I mean, people smoke them all the time and, you know, no, I mean, it just and they hadn't even hardly smoked. We weren't even there that long. But but um, I know that that entity and and this is the thing that is kind of weird. His apartment was right behind St. Anthony's Hospital. And hospitals are such portals (laughs) for so many different things. I think that it really truly was something that was spiritual. And it actually did harm me. And that happened that night. And from that night, I have always had that problem with my right eye. So if it was just smoke or DMT or something, right, that's not going to do that. And each ophthalmologist, and I've probably seen about, I would say, roughly five different ophthalmologists over my lifetime have given me a really full, good exam. And they all say, oh, my God, what happened to you? <laughs> wow. That's, mm-hmm. that's crazy. But I will agree with you about the... Um, the hospitals being a portal. Um, when my second daughter was being born on the floor below the maternity ward, a, we had found out that a woman had passed away and we th- looked it up and thought that her pretty sure her name was Rose. Mm-hmm. So after we brought our second child home and we didn't know any of this yet, that, that any of this had happened. And my ex-wife and I brought our second child home and it was not very long at all until we started hearing a sound like an older woman's voice in the um, baby monitor. And we could hear, you know, our, our daughter giggling. Um, We're like, what is going on here? And we go up there, nothing's there. And we would listen and we just eventually just started, you know, looking and found out that at the same time my daughter was born, this woman had passed away that was in the on the floor below the room where she was born and being kept. And we found out her name was Rose. So we just started saying, you know, hey, there, that's Rose again in the in the baby monitor playing with Abby. And, you know, it, it was really bizarre. And it wasn't all the time, but, you know, and then people say, well, it's just the the monitor picking up sounds from, you know, the radio or something. It it, it could have been, but there were times where when she got older, 
it would be like she was literally in her crib playing with somebody and you could hear the whispering in the in the baby monitor so i'm right there with you about the whole portal and hospital things because that's uh that that's that's my realm that i step away from i can't i can't (laughs) give me ufos i don't want to deal with the supernatural and the demonic stuff Uh, well they really are portals uh people are born there and they do die there and because of that you know there are when the spirit does leave the body it's very clear that it it transitions and so when it's dying it is transitioning right there so hospitals probably see a thousand deaths you know a year if not many more oh sure and so you have a lot of transitioning going on there. So I have always thought they were portals. I don't care for them. I've been in a hospital when a huge, huge orb came into my room and, um, you know, I had been sick and I had fainted and I didn't know what was wrong with me. And this huge orb came in the room, scared me very much, hovered right over me. And the next day when the doctor came in, he goes, wow, uh, you have taken a turn he said, you are, uh, all your labs are positive. Everything's great. Uh, I don't know what happened, but I'm sending you home. And I had been there for a week and I, I was very anemic. I was sick. I was lethargic pretty much. And uh, it was just something that had happened to me and we didn't know what I had passed out. And, um, you know, And then all of a sudden, this huge white orb comes in my room at the hospital, no less, and I'm fine. So, you know, and this was not just a regular orb. I mean, this thing had a light in it. It it was not just one of those little ones like a dust orb or something like that. This thing opened the door, came right you know, the door kind of opened and in it came and it just hovered right over me and I could have reached up and touched it. It was frightening, but, um, these things happen. (laughs) These things are very real in this life because if they can happen to me, they can happen to you. Oh no, Michelle, did you want to talk a little bit more into the demonology? Cause I have like one other question I wanted to ask. Is there something you wanted to jump in on? No, I'm reading some of the blogs right now on Terry's site. (laughs) Oh, are you? Oh, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, her website, there's a, a wealth of information there. Those are all my personal experiences. And the orb coming into the hospital is on there. And so is, you know, with uh, Jerry and Eddie and, um, and my eye. There is a reptilian one there that is very interesting. The first one that I had and the healing is on there. Um, And, you know, if you want to look at one that is quite interesting, there's one about um, the tornadic spirit that came into my room that was frightening. And that person was alive. And yet I call them familiar spirits. These spirits will come to you and they will pretend they're your grandmother, your mother, your brother who died, or there's somebody from the other realm that is not who they are. Those are familiar spirits and they're dealing with your emotions and uh, they present as one thing, but they're tricking you. And uh, 
when people say, oh, my grandfather showed up and I'm like, well, yeah, could have been, but might not have been, you know, tell me about it. <laughs> and yeah. usually you usually you can you can identify with what it was or what it could have been. And maybe it could have been. Maybe the Lord did allow the grandfather to come and say goodbye. I do know that does happen, too. As a matter of fact, I'm positive because my girlfriend who was killed in an accident, talk about a bizarre experience. I was in Florida and um, she had been killed by a uh, real estate agent who was reading her uh, laptop and typing while she was driving and ran a red light and killed my my uh, very good girlfriend. Oh, As a matter of fact, um, yeah, it was terrible. And I had um, given birth. Uh, with well not given birth with her but she she was having a baby and uh, we were having a hurricane and I went over to her house and uh, I was the doctor <laughs> that night I delivered her her daughter uh, so she was very close to me and um, just a real good friend and um, when she died I lived in St. Pete she lived in Clearwater I did not know she had died Nobody had called me to tell me she had died and I'm in my living room and all of a sudden uh, I see the paper, my St. Petersburg Times laying on the uh, chair and I, I was led to pick it up and I was led to sit down and it's almost like somebody took my head and pushed my head to the right so that I was looking at the obituaries and Jay had died her name was Janelle but they called her Jay and she had passed away and I went oh my gosh and then I heard her speak to me and she said it's okay Tare I'm happy and I thought oh, in her voice I thought oh my god that was her voice audibly in my house and so these strange things can happen and I, I'm pretty sure I wrote about that one too, but you know, it's, it's bizarre what can happen in this lifetime to us. Yeah. And so I, you know, I just, I wonder if, if things like this happen a lot more um, than we know about, because people are, are such, there's such a stigma attached to both the UFO UAP phenomenon and like the, the spiritual side of things and, and people don't want to, you know, be looked down upon in, in those ways. And plus then you look on TV and you have the sensationalizing of, of ghost hunting and, and yeah, all that's of this all pretty stuff. much crazy. Yeah. They're, they're just getting ratings. That stuff yeah. is not actually happening. You know, they're portraying things, but yeah, some of those things can happen. <laughs> well, before we uh, end this conversation which man we're going on almost two hours already <laughs> just the time just gets sucked away um i did want to talk to you a little bit about your book you were you were talking a little bit about travis walton and he had died in that beam when he was taken aboard that craft and they healed him and now you wrote this book that talks about alien healing can you give us a little bit of background on that and what's a little bit of the story behind that sure well in um uh 2000 the year 2000 i had been excuse me diagnosed with a crohn's colitis and it was very severe 
And it was brought on by stress and anxiety. And God knows I've lived with that my whole life. And uh, it had come to a pinnacle point where I was bleeding uh, for about two years. And the bleeding was so bad, the doctors told me, uh, Terry, you're going to have to have your large intestine removed. If you don't get it removed, you will die. We cannot promise you how much longer you have left. At this point, it's not even functioning. It's just simply rotting inside of you. Oh, wow. And that's, I mean, that's really serious. That's, yeah, that's pretty I, have, serious. I have a friend that deals with Crohn's at, at work and, and the poor guy is, is miserable. And it, it just, you know, being teachers, we, our middle name is stress. So yeah, you know, thing, things really, you know, are, are bad for him right now. Um, so I, I get where you're coming from with this. Yeah. And it's, it's normal to have Crohn's or colitis. I had Crohn's and colitis and they do say that's impossible but my doctors showed it to me when they removed my large intestine so anyway i had said i would have the surgery so i had the surgery and then uh after the surgery something had gone wrong in the first surgery and six weeks later i had to go back and have a second surgery which was beyond bizarre because the pain was off the charts they had to cut into a semi-healed you know, incision that is the length of my body just about. And it was very painful. Oh my God. I, I just, <laughs> uh, no words can explain. And so uh, they fixed the bleed that they caused the first time, but I now was uh, incredibly sensitive on my right side. Something that they had done in the first surgery and the second surgery had left me with a very painful pain in my right side. So that became my new norm. And I'm really not a complainer. So I didn't ever complain about it. I just thought, okay, this is my new norm, you know, and um, 12 years I lived with it. And in 2012, I never, I mean, I did ask the Lord to heal me. I, and I wasn't healed. So I'm like, okay, he's not going to heal me. So um, I did not ever ask an extraterrestrial to heal me or anything like that. I didn't even think it was possible to me. That was just that, you know, I couldn't even accept that as bizarre as my life has been. But, um, and I had never even heard at that point that other people were healed of anything like that. And so it was just unbeknownst to me. But anyway, I'm sound asleep. I hear a male voice call my name, Terry. And it was it was a kind of a gruff voice. I didn't recognize it. It was clearly not my husband. And so I rolled over to see who it was. I didn't know if it was going to be spiritual, demonic, you know, I didn't know where that voice was coming from. And sure enough, here's this short reptilian. And he is very colorful from what I could see. Um, Outside of the bedroom window, we had a spotlight, which was on my husband's truck. So it kind of illuminated the room to a degree. And I could see clearly that this thing had red and green and yellow and, you know, different colors. And I'm staring at it and I'm like, oh my God, you know, and and if you can even believe this, it wasn't as frightening as it may have been 
years before, because now I was a little more accustomed to seeing bizarre things. And I, like I said, when I rolled over, I didn't know what to expect I would see. And God knows I never expected to see that. And so it was about four feet. Um, it was very buff. It, it had a muscular position. It had a very reptilian type of face with these huge jowl like things. And um, it, it had strange eyes and I didn't see any form of a nose. I didn't see any form of a mouth on this. And it might've just been that I was staring at the arm and uh, it was after a while, after staring at it, I'll kind of give you the reader's digest on this. Um, I noticed that it had claws as hands. It didn't have a hand. It had like almost like you'd see on a big, big dog with an actual dark claw on the hand. And I thought, oh, my God, you know, this thing is really weird looking. And um, as I looked up at it, I noticed it was staring at me as much as I was staring at it, but it hadn't said a word. And then through mental telepathy in a male voice, it said, be still. And I noticed it had in its hand or claw a Y formation type of a device. Now, having had a medical background and a dental background, I knew this was some sort of a uh, device for doing like, I don't, I don't know, like maybe a probe. I, I didn't even know. And, but it had very long, uh, moving, which blew me away, moving tentacle like, um, on the Y portion of it, the stem portion was, was strong and firm, but it looked very similar to an octopus tentacle, as crazy as that sounds. And it, yet it was very thin and one side had a suction cup end on it. And the other side had, it was like wound real tight. Like you would see a fern, a green fern in, you know, uh, on a plant. It, it was very much like that, but yet it was kind of grayish and whitish and it, it was moving. And I thought, oh my God, that thing is moving. And I thought, okay, that's not any type of a medical device. I mean, I don't know what the heck that is. And he, when he said to me, be still, he inserted it vaginally and it I could feel this thing getting warm and it started going, it was wrapping itself around the area in my right side that had been causing me pain for 12 years. And I was feeling pressure. I was feeling heat and I was scared. I kept thinking, oh my God, that thing's going to pop. It's going to pop, you know, and I was it was like, what the heck? The other side attached to the outside of me and I could feel a vibration, like a tingling vibration. So all of this was going on at one time. And I'm like, what in the heck, you know? And, and I didn't know what to think of it. it. Nothing like that had ever happened to me. I was never aware of having anything happen to me. And 
I just thought to myself, oh my God, this thing is going to pop. There's going to be blood everywhere. And I thought, oh my God, am I going to die? And I closed my eyes real, real tight, like anybody in their right mind would. And I just thought, oh God, I, I can't believe this tingling in this heat. And the heat was getting a little bit too warm and the pressure was getting too, it was just feeling like it was just going to pop. And I held, I held my eyes closed real bad. And I thought, what's happening to me? What's happening to me? And all of a sudden I felt nothing. And I'm like, oh my God. And I opened my eyes and he was gone. And I thought, what the heck? And I could not move. I laid there. The tingling was still very, very present. The heat was not hot anymore. It was like, it was uh, disintegrating and there was no pressure. I laid there for about two, I'm thinking it could have been two to three hours. My husband actually got up, went to work and I never even moved. I never told him about it. I laid there thinking, should I tell him about this? And I thought, no, don't tell him. Um, he was, I was married to somebody who did not believe in extraterrestrials, did not believe in ghosts, did not believe in spirits, did not believe that angels could exist still. And I thought, eh, if I tell him anything right now, it's just going to cause an argument or a fight, or he, he might say something, you know, this is just not, he wasn't communicative. I couldn't talk to him. And I thought I'll, I'll just have to, you know, talk to my sister or talk to somebody at MUFON or, you know, and, and that's what I did. I got up finally and I called a friend of mine at MUFON and said to her, oh my God, this happened to me last night. And I was still shaking. I said, I'm still having the tingling effect. I don't know what to do. And she said, did you take a swab? And I said, oh my God, I know to do that. Why didn't I do it? And I thought, I don't know. I'm not thinking straight. So I went in and I got Q-tips and I took a swab like a dummy, I only took one, go figure. And I took one and then I put it in a plastic bag and I threw it in the freezer. And I thought, well, I don't even know of a lab, but I'll hang on to it. She goes, yeah, there is no lab currently, but let's just hang on to it. Maybe someday, you know, there'll be a lab. And so I said, okay. So the tingling lasted for nine hours. And after the nine hours, it just dissipated. And uh, that's the Reader's Digest version. You know, you can read the rest of it on my site. But uh, I don't know that I've updated everything because in um, about seven years later, Debbie Ziegelmeyer, who is on the board of directors with me, I'm on the board of directors with MUFON. And uh, she contacted me and said, hey, Terry, did you still have that that uh, specimen, that swab from back in 2012? And I said, yes, I do. It's in the freezer. And, and she said, well, we found a lab here in Missouri. Would you send it to the lab? Would you be willing to send it? And I said, yes, absolutely. I said, I'd love to know if anything is on that swab and what happened. You know, I, I'd love to find out. So I sent it. They sent me a kit. I did a DNA kit. I also did a special uh, sterilization technique to get the swab to them and so when the lab got it uh, they they cut it into pieces so that they could use it more than once and I got a call from the lab and she said to me oh my gosh she goes Terry this swab 
has so many red blood cells on it. This thing is off the charts. And I said, what? And I said, really, seven years later, she said, yeah, I didn't think we were going to get anything. But this thing, she goes, would you allow me to do a second test on the second piece I cut? I cut it into three pieces. And I said, yes. So she said, okay. So she got in touch with a couple of her fellows because she is a, um, you know, a, uh, a technician that works with DNA and this kind of thing. So she got in touch with some of her other fellows and they all discussed it. And she started writing a paper on it, as did they. And she was very intrigued by it. And she called me back. I was leaving a MUFON meeting, as, as a matter of fact, that Saturday afternoon. And she goes, are you sitting down? And I said, well, I can. And so I said, we're just leaving the building from a MUFON meeting. And she said, Oh my gosh, Terry, she said, this thing has another DNA other than yours. There is more than just your DNA on this swab. And she said, the second swab that I've used um, is very interesting. And I'm going to start looking around to see what this other DNA is. And I'm going to get in touch with some of my fellows here and we're going to talk about this and, you know, and I said, okay. So she said, would you give me uh, the authority to use this last piece of this? I'll, I'll keep a small section of it, but this last piece. And she said, I'm, I'm hoping that I can find what this other DNA is. And she found someone who identified it or she, and, and this person sent her a DNA sample of a reptilian uh, lizard from South America, very rare lizard from South America, and said, your DNA and this DNA are on this swab. And I said, well, I have never been to South America, and we don't own lizards. And, you know, so she said, well, I need some more uh, information and I'm going to be writing a uh, paper on this and I'm going to deliver the paper to other scientists and blah, blah, blah. And it's now a lot of my information is in a couple different museums. And um, as a matter of fact, I'll be doing more with that this year, but she's going to acquire other machines that can do other types of testings with what she has left and and look at what she had found previously so i'm pretty encouraged by that because now we do have this dna on file with the mufon lab and no idea where the, i mean i know you said that there was a reptilian entity or or creature that was there with this device but no other explanation as to where that DNA may have originated or came from other than a South American lizard? Well, it's the, the DNA that was on my swab was the same DNA that that lizard is made up of. Oh, man. Now, how did that get on there except that the extraterrestrial was a hybrid of some sort of DNA um, with these lizards in South America. He was very short. He had big jowls. 
I was so shocked when she sent me the picture of the um, tegu lizard and said, look at this lizard. And I went, oh my God. And the thing that was so bizarre was, I forgot to tell you this, uh, going back, the one thing about this lizard was the eyes and the fact that it had a red and a black circle around the eyes. And I thought, oh, look at that. And the eyes were, you know, um, thinner, but longer. And like I said, they had the jowls. And I had said that they, you know, I kept saying puff up this part here, you know, and I was pointing to the cheeks. And I because I had my husband was trying to do a rendition of it. And we were doing it because I was speaking at UFO con in Florida, and I had to have something to show, but we were doing it like lickety split. And we were trying and I was getting mad at him because he wasn't doing it exactly like I saw it. And you know how that is with husbands and wives, you know, you're trying to tell them something and, <laughs> and he wasn't getting it quite what I was saying. And I was getting so frustrated and I'm not somebody that can draw. I, I can't draw. And so, you know, it was hard for me and I never even thought, never even thought about looking at lizard pictures. It just didn't even occur to me, you know, because it was a reptilian. In my mind, I saw this reptilian. It wasn't a lizard, it was a reptilian. So then when she showed me that Tegu lizard, I, it just blew my mind. I was like, oh my God, there's those jowls. There's that nose. There's that, the back of that head is much flatter. That's it. That's it. You know, and I kept saying that to my husband. He was like, oh my God, Terry, calm down. And I'm like, no, we have to redo that picture. That picture that you did was nothing like what I actually saw, you know, but we did it. So I would have something to show the coloring. And, um, anyhow, uh, that experience, I, I, I remember thinking that day, God, why, why? And, and I felt like he was showing me that he has created everything that is. And things have talents, different beings and different uh, angels have very specific gifts and talents. Uh, some are messengers, some are, uh, you know, some are like Gabriel, some are like Michael, some are like, you know, some are warriors, some are this or that. They all have different talents. And we as humans, you're, science, you're a scientist, I'm a radiologist, you know, I'm, I'm into other things, you know, I'm into this or that or med medicine or, you know, dentistry or uh, sterilization. I'm into my thing, you know, your wife is into her thing. Other people are into their thing. We're not all the same. We have different gifts and talents. And it was like, he showed me these other created beings also have gifts and talents and they're different. And yes, some of them can use different things with their technology to heal. And I'm like, it wasn't the extraterrestrial that healed me it was what he was holding in his hand that healed me and it was he the technology it. it was his technology and so i'm like oh my gosh this is more bizarre than bizarre can get and and yet it happened it changed my life because let me tell you i had a hard time with that because i really believed only god could heal only jesus could heal you know as a christian i did not believe that people could heal. But then I read an account 
in the Bible of an angel that stirred the waters and anybody that got in the water was healed. And I'm like, look at there, an angel healed somebody. And this extraterrestrial flipping healed me. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. So these things are very real. And then after that, I'm, I spoke with Preston Dennett and a bunch of other people, and I've interviewed these people who also are very familiar with people giving testimony of healings. So, you know, as bizarre as it all sounds, I'm telling you, we live in a very interesting world. <laughs> this little I, blue planet is very interesting. I tend to agree. I think, uh, <laughs> I think you hit something on the head there. Um, well, we're going to go ahead and we're going to get things wrapped up here. So just yes. a couple of closing questions for you. Uh -huh. So anything coming up in the future, you have any conventions you're going to or any speaking engagements or anything like that coming up? Well, I do have a lot of different speaking engagements, but most of them are locally around here. So um, it wouldn't really you know, behoove me to share any of that, but I am going to be at the MUFON Symposium in Denver. And uh, if anybody is able to get there, please get there. It is family time. It is talking to people who understand, who know, who have experienced, who are there for you. It is wonderful. Those symposiums are amazing. And we have so many good speakers with a lot of different information. So just go to MUFON.com. And you'll find out all about that. <laughs> Terry, we often ask this. Do you have any ties to Michigan? I don't have ties to Michigan. I have ties to Wisconsin, your neighbor. Oh. Yeah, pretty close. Just right across that big old lake. Yeah, I was and born then, in Milwaukee. <laughs> okay. And then uh, just real quick, where can people find you or if they need to or would like to contact you? How could people uh, do that? Um, they could either just uh, email me at dom at mufon.com. And the D is for director of membership, dom at mufon.com. Okay. Yeah. All right. Or well, Facebook. Terry, <laughs> or Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Terry, this has been great. I want to thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart for coming on and sharing your stories and, uh, your experiences and it has been a great time and I was glad to finally be able to get you to come on and talk with us in our audience. So we just want to say thank you very much for spending this couple hours with us. But thank you both uh, Wayne and Michelle. I really appreciate it. It's been great. It's been fun. You guys are the best. Oh, thank you very much. And please go to MUFON.com and upload your story again. I promise you it will be dealt with. Okay. We will definitely do that. So, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much, Terry. Have a good night and we will talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye, you guys. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Michelle, I said graphic, but maybe I should have said shocking because the the stories that she had, her personal experiences really just, number one, they're amazing. Number two, I can't believe somebody went through those kind of experiences, but then to be healed of, you know, some critical and deadly diseases 
is just incredible. I mean, it, it's just, wow, I, I don't know. Well, if the listeners, if our listeners are are like me right now, you got to a certain point of the stories that your your mouth just dropped open and it's kind of like hand over the mouth. Yeah, because, I mean, it literally is frightening. I mean, to to wake up and then see and know you're dealing with these horrible pains and then to see this creature standing there and then it heals you um, through some form of technology or whatever that it had and then just to disappear. Um, And she also talked about the orbs in the hospital coming and healing her and just some crazy experiences and i i honestly i don't know what to do with a lot of that obviously she's gone through a lot and her experiences really affected her i know a situation like that would have left a mark on my mental state well of course so how how does one person process all of that and that is uh something that must be hard to deal with. Um, but, you know, she seems to have found a great group with MUFON, even though our experience, it wasn't bad. It just, we didn't have an experience with MUFON when we kind of wanted to, when we wanted to report our sighting. So we're going to try to reach out to them again. I was going to say, it sounds like we're going to now. Yeah. So I think we should wrap this one up. Michelle, what do you think? I think that we have a lot to process after this show. Yep. Well, everybody, I think we're going to wrap it up for tonight and head on out. We will see you in about two weeks when our next guest will be Bigfoot Michigan Rob. I am sure that's going to be a great conversation. Michelle, anything else you want to add for tonight? Nope. Like I said, I think that this is just one of those moments that I need to walk away and process everything. So have a good night, everyone. All right. Have a great night. And remember, keep your eyes to the sky. You have been listening to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. You can reach us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at mi underscore UFO and join our Facebook group by searching for Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters. So until next time.